goes. Everybody watch out and look up. It's Keep Up with Sylvan Sane and welcome with the rest of the Keep Up crew. Let's get into some motherfucking shout outs. You got nothing on. It's time for some motherfucking shout outs. Here we go, here we go, 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 go. Carl Hill, the Black X Pat. I've been on his show a few times. We have a show together, and we're actually working on some different shit, to be honest. He has someone else that's in the podcast world that he is a, I think he's your roommate still, right? Yeah. That's right. Yep. They're, they're roommates, they're compadres, they're business owners, they're business partners. I'm a big fan of him as well. Give us a shout out, Carl. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Patrick, also known as Prolific on Instagram, the in-house bartender. Uh, he launched during the COVID, he launched the in-house bartending service where he brings amazing bartending service right into your house, all the way from his house, but on Zoom. Yeah, dope black person making amazing black cocktails for black people. That's shout right. He really is. He makes delicious stuff, and he's a funny dude. So great shout out. Cool. So let's get into some viral news and some politics. What the fuck happened? All right. Uh, Super Bowl. So Tom Brady's been a part of, obviously, 10 Super Bowls, and some of them were called Super Bowl Lie, which was pretty convenient. (laughs) But now we got to let him live. Now we got to let him live. So Super Bowl LIV, we got to let the homie live. And although I feel that uh, this is just my personal opinion, sorry that I'm, like, putting this out there before we get into the Super Bowl uh, uh, analysis. Uh, I feel like he cheated the first three championships. <laughs> I think I, I still feel Vinatieri won that. I still feel Spygate. If you if you if you fucking record someone's practice, their defense, I still mm. feel like that's cheating. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what plays they're gonna run? Like Joey Porter said <laughs> it, and they drowned him out, and they just like pretty much blacklisted him because Tom Brady is the NFL. Mm. I've, as a Jet fan, I've seen the refs. I've seen personally the refs go for Tom Brady, and I'm sure many teams have done that before. But but even with all that said, 10 championships is still really hard to get. Seven is really hard to get. I don't think he's the GOAT, but I don't really have a strong argument for it anymore. <laughs> so, oh, when yeah. someone, so when someone says it, I really can't say anything unless they really want to get into like a nuanced debate with me. That's fine. But like on the surface, it's true. He's the GOAT. I mean, I think when it, when you come to the GOAT conversation, similar to Michael and LeBron, right, and Kobe, mm-hmm. but specifically with football, I think it's easy to say Tom Brady isn't a GOAT, well, isn't the GOAT, because he doesn't physically look like the kind of person you want to put. Okay. At, like, like a football player, you want them to be a physical, not necessarily, I hate the word specimen, but a physically gifted person that revolutionizes the game of football. I don't think... In any of his championships, except maybe this one and the one he, well, the one he lost to Randy Moss, I don't think Tom Brady was the most standout athlete in any Super Bowl that he played. Like even even though he got MVP today, I think Gronkowski deserved an MVP because he yeah. actually got open to catch those to catch those touchdown passes. While Brady had three touchdowns, like he didn't, yeah, he has to throw the ball, but Gronkowski was out there making plays and more than that. So I think he's the goat when it comes to I think it's different winning. He's the best winner, similar to basketball, the best winner was Bill Russell, right? The greatest athlete, arguably, I would still say is Michael Jordan. I think LeBron James is a stronger athlete than Michael Jordan. I think Mm -hmm. in terms of athleticism and, like, uh, just revolutionizing the game and the things that he could physically do on the court, I think Michael Jordan could do more things than LeBron James could do just because he was more agile than LeBron James ever has been in his entire career, and his jump shot was just effortless. So, again, back to Tom Brady. Uh, I think – 
he's not my goat. I think Lawrence Taylor, if you actually go back and look at film, is the greatest football player mm. and the greatest athlete we've ever seen. Anyone who played against him feared him. I don't think anybody fears Tom Brady. I think they fear the impact he has on the game, but him as a player is like, no, we need to guard his weapons. Like it was Julian Edelman. You have to, he's always somehow open for Tom Brady. Tom Brady finds him, but Julian Edelman has to get open. So I think, yeah, I think he's a, he's an amazing player. He is the greatest quarterback of all time, not the greatest thrower of the football. That's Aaron Rodgers and maybe soon Patrick Mahomes because he was throwing from the ground basically and almost threw two touchdowns that way. But, yeah, I think I can understand people don't call Tom Brady the GOAT because, well, don't view him as the GOAT because he's not the greatest athlete that football has ever seen. I can see that. I can see that. I disagree that LeBron is not a better athlete than uh, Michael Jordan. I do agree that Michael Jordan yeah. did more with less. I do agree. And same thing with Kobe. I think Kobe had a less of an athletic build. Like LeBron pretty much was born that way. <laughs> he was pretty much born at Adonis. And so uh, a lot of people, especially when he was dealing with Detroit early in his career, same thing with MJ, uh, he had that muscle that Michael Jordan didn't have going against the bad boys. He already had that brute strength. And people were just puzzled of, like, why he couldn't just bulldoze fucking Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace down. So, like, that was confusing. Like, Michael Jordan, you understood. Like, Scotty Pippen, all of those wartime stories, they were all bloodied and shit like that. You understood that yeah. he needed to beef up. He needed to get in the fucking weight room. So then Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing did, never went to the weight room. Carmelo Anthony never went to the yeah. weight room. Whatever. We're still divvying off the basketball. I'm bad. But anyway, that's why it's hard for me because the dude just kept winning. No matter even if it's cheating. There's 30 other teams out there. There's, like, what, 29, 29 NFL teams, I think. Yeah, um, everybody's cheating. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, if I was on the other side, if I was a Patriots fan, they just got caught. It's not like my Jets yeah. don't cheat. It's not like nobody else cheats. As a matter of fact, man, Genie was cheating when he yeah, was with the Patriots, the and that's why he knew. <laughs> that's exactly why he knew how the cheating was going down. So, And I'm a Yankee fan. My Yankees have done steroids mad times. You know what I'm saying? Poor Roger Clemens didn't even make the Hall of Fame because of I know. he was juicing. I like Barry Bonds, who never got caught. But here's what he I will did. Say. He did. How many did he get caught? Whoa, whoa, whoa. He, didn't get he, caught. Admit, he admitted it in a grand jury testimony. That is getting caught. Barry Bonds did that? I didn't know. Yeah. All I did. The freaking bomb on his elbow. Yeah, he said that he thought it was like pine something. He thought it was. Oh, okay. I didn't see. That's, that's how much I, how little I cared about baseball after Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. <laughs> but uh, wow. sports is very regional for you, I see. No, Sammy Sosa. Well, oh, that isn't Sammy. <laughs> but hear me out. To be fair, when I came home from school, that's the only thing that was on TV was Cubs games. And no, no, I like I like uh, Tom Maddox. What was his name? Brett Maddox, Greg Greg Maddox, and uh, Tom Glavin. I like that was the a, that Greg. was a that was a good example of a non-athlete. Both of them actually non. Yeah, chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> Pedro Martinez, those people. Um, Anyway, back yeah, to like, football. I agree with sorry, you. Sorry, football. Patrick Mahomes, like yeah, Patrick Mahomes is, worst, a, is more talented than Tom Brady, but you're right. Tom Brady did more than less. Pretty much most quarterbacks are more talented. That's the thing. That's right. why. Yeah, you can't be the – I mean, you can be the GOAT, I guess, um, if you, like – I don't know. He just again. He just doesn't stand out as the person that people want. Like I don't want to be a Tom Brady style quarterback. I want to be an Aaron Rodgers style quarterback that can do a little bit more with less, if you will. I think Tom Brady depended a lot upon systems. And say what you will, Bill Belichick. I mean, the Buccaneers still had a system for him. They had a great defense, and he was able to implement the same system that Bill Belichick used for his offense. And having Gronkowski that worked. Like if you notice in the Super Bowl, who who, who did he throw to the most often? Gronkowski. 
and A.B. But he also convinced those guys to get there. He also came to camp earlier than most quarterbacks did throughout the whole pandemic. That's because he owed. And like, it has hard no, you're right. You're right. And like, he, he knew to... his limitations. And he, you got to be impressed with that. <laughs> not you. Not you. Yeah, okay. You're already yeah, impressed. I, I, I'm not saying he's not the go. I mean, I'm just saying that I can understand other people's perception of it. I think he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I'll give him that. And the greatest achiever in football of all time. But um, I could I could see, I can make a better argument for, I think, for Lawrence Taylor being the greatest football player of all time at his position and beyond that. I go with, rings, I go with rings, accomplishments, and he's similar to my already goat is Peyton Manning. Again, I don't but, have a strong argument for that anymore because – because Tom Brady has all his records now, and Tom Brady has seven rings to two. Um, even seven out of ten is better than what was it, two out of three that uh yeah. that uh Manning did. I think Peyton went two and four. And the fact that Dungey got outdone by Belichick the whole time that they they were like rivals, mm. that should that should speaks volumes. And do I think that Dan Marino? Do I think that Patrick Mahomes? Do I think that John Elway are more talented? Do I think that if they were in the same system, would they thrive the best? No, because the thing with Brady, I think benefited him was the limitations, now that I'm looking hindsight. I think the fact that he did have those limitations helped him, benefited him, because with someone like Aaron Rodgers, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you say to yourself, you, you get you get too comfortable. You go, oh, well, his arm will save us. Oh, well, you know, we don't really need to, like, go after the biggest receiver. We'll just draft one because, you know, his arm will save us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, no, he'll just double down. He'll just double check. He'll just he'll just bail us out. But no, you never Belichick never did that with Brady. Brady no. he always created safety nets. And you mentioned Randy Moss. I just never got somebody like Randy Moss. The best the best receiver I've ever seen us was Brandon Marshall. You know what I'm saying? So they put things in front of Tom Brady to succeed. They didn't do that with my Geno Smith. They, my Geno Smith. I never liked Geno Smith. They didn't do that with Sanchez. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Whether they cheated or not, they did what it took to win. And I and I can't I, I can't fault them for it anymore. The NFL let them get away with that bullshit. What am I going to do? Cry about it for like the rest of my life? No. Like that should happen. The NFL is pretty much like the WWE now. They fix the shit out of it, but it's still entertaining and it's still fun. I think the two worst cheating teams of all time, the Bears and the New York Jets. <laughs> you know, that's it. I'm sure they cheat, but they're just the worst cheaters ever. They sit at, they sit at the front of the classroom and cheat. <laughs> what was your favorite um, halftime? Per- no, no. What, what did you think about the weekend's halftime performance? Sorry. I'm not going to lie. I definitely turned his channel a few times. But um, his teeth look weird. Uh, he shouldn't have <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't made those faces. There was something going on with his teeth. I mean, yeah. He, he he can I like that he actually sang. A lot of performers, as we know, don't do that. Me too. Um and his imperfections came out through singing, which I think just made him more relatable to the crowd. Um he tries to he tries to do a little Michael Jackson thing. I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan, so I'm really messing with that. It's like get the kicks right, wear flooded pants. Like don't be doing it if you're not gonna do it all the time. Oh time. shit. But, um, like, <laughs> a little Gary Bell shade over there. <laughs> yeah, I I need you to, I need you to go all out. If you're gonna do that, then do that. Be Billy Jean, uh something. No, nah, but I mean, it was considering it's a pandemic and they wanted to keep it as safe as possible. I understand the limitations he put, he was put under. So I'm like, ah, I'm not going to really judge it that harsh. I think it was great. I think it was not great. It was a good performance. And for the times we're in, he did the best that he could do. But I watched it again. Nah, but uh, I would give him another chance to do another one when it's not pandemic frenzy over that over there. 
I feel you. I feel you. I've seen him about three or four times. I wasn't a fan of him in the beginning when he was doing all the drug singing, the drug R&B. I fucking bitches often. I'm taking Molly and I'm sitting near a pool. Those are great songs. They're all right. (laughs) I like it when he went more pop. I thought that he was more, and I actually Mm. do think he is the closest to Michael Jackson. Not like dancing, not like, you know, entertainment wise, Mm. nothing like that. But as far as like voice, like I think like. Oh yeah, vocally. Yeah, yeah, he did that Dirty Diana um, rendition of few years ago and Annie are you okay I believe um yeah he definitely sounds like him I definitely agree with you about the limitations he did the best he could with that or his team did the best they could with that um and shout out to Rock Nation they coordinate that as well they've been they're going to do the next like five I believe uh coordinations of the Super Bowl halftime performance um and I agree with you I definitely like um I like voices better. I like talent better. Not that JLo is not talented. We discussed that in the pre-show. I do think yeah. that Shakira is a legend. Both of them are legends. But I'm with you. Even though Paul McCartney is more boring than, like, Beyonce, but that's a bad example, too, because I actually I like Beyonce. Because yeah. <laughs> even with the blackout, I like Beyonce's performance better than Paul McCartney's. Prince. Prince. That's a good one. Mm. That's a good one. Mm. That guy barely did any dancing. That guy just had the guitar. He had nice little visuals around him. It basically was a Purple Rain concert. Mm. I enjoyed that more than the dancing. Like I said, I see dancing all the time in football. I, I'm, I love football. I see cheerleaders all the time. I see dancers. I see jet dancers. I see all that all the time. I don't need to see JLo do that again. I see that on MTV. I see that on YouTube. I see that on IG. I don't need to see that. But I'm in the minority with that. I'm in the minority with that. NFL sex sells. Even if you're ripping off a titty, JT, that means you too. Sex sells. Well, I mean, only because the FCC fined them. It wasn't worth the, the titty rip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> it was great. It was great. Even though, Well, Chris Rock, he called it a community titty because it was so old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched it a few times coming up. But, no, I mean, I, I get what you're saying because I think – I also think uh, it depends on the performer. Very few people can hold their own. I think it's kind of like – well, honestly, like podcasting. If you don't – Anyone can talk and speak, but it's your mm-hmm. delivery, it's your enthusiasm and all that. So someone that I, I would think would do great at the Super Bowl and did through the national anthem was Whitney Houston. Okay. Like, I, I think she could have held her own with that entire crowd, again, a diverse crowd as well, right? Because of the power of her voice, the way in which she delivers it, the songs that she had. So you that, mean in 2021? In yeah. 2021, and, you think her songs would have been relevant yeah. now at a Super Bowl performance? Absolutely. I think Whitney oh, wow. Houston, people like Whitney Houston, Prince, their, their, their music is, well, Whitney Houston, some of them, is timeless. I don't think it would have held up. Like, imagine Whitney Houston going out during this time with everything going on with, like, everybody that, like, the, the people that the NFL put out there, like, the pandemic helpers and the frontline workers and singing, I will always love you. Like, just songs that people kind of resonate with and the way in which I think she would perform would have been great. Same thing with Prince and Purple Rain, right? And then, like, connecting that to things going on with the pandemic. I think that would be great. I also think Beyonce could sing songs without dancing. Like, if she sang Halo, uh, I think she could hold it. But I think that people, they incorporate the dancing and stuff to get more people involved. Like, Beyonce always brought people out, like Destiny's Child, and then even Katy Perry brought out, like, Missy Elliott and stuff like that. They brought out not, in sync once, you're right. Yeah, like, they always try to make it just for people's reaction. More people want to see, more. the more people you have, the better it is. People kind of quantify that. But honestly, uh, I think even artists, non-black artists, like Molly Cyrus, I think she could do, like, Jolene renditions if she wanted to, things like that, where she just sang, people would love it. But yeah, I think a lot of, because the, the amount of money that they have, they can't just say give me a chair and a spotlight, I'm going to go out there and sing unless you're Prince. Yeah, and I don't the think they would have gave, yeah. I don't think they would have given that contract to Jay-Z if he did that either, if he just like nah. put people out there and just, yeah, I think, 
Yeah, I don't think, and I and I agree with you. I think Whitney's uh, rendition of the national anthem is still the best ever, but I don't think that she would do well. And it, and even before she died, her voice was kind of dying down a lot, like a lot. Like she, still, she was, still pretty good. When she was it was that. not that good actually when she was performing live and near her death. It was not good at all. I, I think you need to look that up. That was not. I probably. I probably. Ray J was, Ray J was sounding better. Way. Ray J was sounding <laughs> better. <laughs> Like people get real mad when I say I don't think Mariah Carey can sing anymore. I like they get real mad. I get a bunch of people. No, you're right. About that. No, and I'm like a lot of pills too to get there. Yeah, I'm like I'm like she she was hitting that she was hitting the bottle pretty hard and she talked about it like yeah messing my local courts hitting these high notes and drinking champagne don't mix. I'm like you're right, but you know shout out to her for making sparkle I guess. Glitter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my bad. I'm getting so much no, hate. So I'm, she, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a big Mariah Carey fan. No, you're right. She said that in her book. Um, shout out to uh, Maya Narratives on her YouTube channel. She mentioned that in her book, and then I read it. And she does. She mentions that. She's totally forthright with that. Um, she does believe, as well as we do, that her voice is shot. Um, she tries to work with the best she can. She even has a drink that she named. When, when I heard that she named an alcoholic drink, Pink Elephant, I was like, hmm. Mm-mm-mm. There's no way that you can deny that you have been drinking away your voice. Hitting the bottom. Um, Mary J. Blige is someone I feel that used to be able to sing really early in her 20s and then lost her voice, but again, made most of what she had, and she's the queen of R&B soul. So you don't. Patty LaBelle, Patty LaBelle used to hit home runs with her voice, and then hey, produced, yeah, she, she was singing, yeah. Yeah, no, she still can. Don't get me wrong. I don't think she's lost her voice at all. But I don't know. That might be a bad example then. If I'm, but I'm the reason why I'm saying is because she toned down her voice, and that's when she got more successful. So you don't mm. ne- necessarily have to be a home run hitter like Mar- Mariah Carey and Whitney to perform well. And I and I also think that Mariah and Whitney are a little bit one dimensional for a Super Bowl performance, for a halftime show, for a national anthem, for maybe like a headliner like Jasmine Sullivan in the beginning. Like you said, who was another one that was performing there? I think it was Miley Cyrus. That makes sense. That makes sense. But for a halftime show where you need to have eyeballs for those commercial spots, those million dollar commercial spots, uh, I don't see that. But I feel I you like, though. I feel I you though. Know. I love Whitney too, though. I I hate that I shit on her right there. I love her. Um, the silhouette challenge. I want to know if you think it was dumb. Actually, my bad. I did it again. I put my personal. So the TikTok, <laughs> the TikTok challenge, the TikTok challenge. Um, women were following Doja Cat. Doja Cat has a song about that. That that did, and she's great. I'm a big Doja Cat fan, even though when she puts her foot in her mouth and gets all anti-Semitic and shit, um, even though she's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> right, it makes no sense. But whatever, I try my best to differentiate the music from her. Plus, you know, light skin nation, man. I gotta, sh- I gotta shoot the stars with my bad racial bitches out there. Anyway, so Doja Cat, she has some uh, like kind of vibe going on in the video where she starts off in a regular dress near the doorway, and then in the red light, in the red uh, silhouette, you see a silhouette of her naked body, pretty much. Some people have done it in their panties and underwear. Some people have done it butt-ass naked. The people who did it butt-ass naked sucks for them because there are perverted dudes out there. And in 2021, software is available on every phone to take away filters. I understand that women were having fun. I'm sorry, whoever was doing it, I'm sure there was yeah, some dangling dicks. Yeah. I'm sure there was some dangling dicks out there. I'm sure <laughs> there were. But in like some red, like we were like in a red room developing photos and shit. Like, Oops, <laughs> there goes a cock. No, th- <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. So I've got a lot of flack in my personal conversations because, yes, it's a felony 
to repost naked pictures of someone else's without permission, just like if you're going up under uh, under skirts and shit like that. And it's also creepy and should be against the law for the people setting up tutorials on how to expose these women. Uh. But my thing is where I get in trouble is why were these girls thinking that a filter was going to save their naked bodies? Like where, like where did the intelligence come there? Am I, am I like a victim blamer in that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, me being not, you know, I've run a few businesses and I'm, I'm not the tech guy. I always say like Patrick is a technical guy. He does all the analysis. But I don't do any of that. Well, I do it now because I learned and I got tired of asking for help. But before, like there was a lot of, I asked, quote unquote, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but uh, some stuff you can just Google. Um, and I think what they were, I think some people just, they saw it and it's like, oh, they just ran to do it without actually thinking about, like, thinking it through thoroughly, which I think we've all done at some point in time in our lives. Now, again, I think it's not, a, it's 100% not their fault. I, I don't, I think people should have enough respect for people, men and women, all together to not want to go, oh, my God, I can get this naked photo of this girl in an illegal way. I just think that if it's illegal, you shouldn't be trying to do it, especially if it violates basic human rights and basic human private my privacy. So, yeah, I, I understand. I think after the first person was exposed, if you continue to do it, then that's kind of on you. Like, hey, you know, people are doing this. I don't care. They're not going to do my body. Why would they want to see my body? Oh, look, my titties on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> I think, like, it's like, no, nah, you knew people were doing this. You shouldn't have done that. But the initial thing, I think, no, nah, I think people should have just had basic human decency and not not done that. Like, I agree. Like I said, it's just real, it's real creepy. But, like, when you wait for human decency, like, don't hold your breath for it. For instance... I mean, Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, there was a there was something local around here that happened, and I, I kind of had a similar stance. Even though I don't want anybody getting bit in the eye. So there was this woman that went really late at night to a liquor store. And I prefaced that, so obviously there's some bias there. <laughs> <laughs> she went there really late, and there was a bunch of thugs that were inside there. They offered to uh, buy her drink. She declined. She respectfully declined. And uh, that's what it seemed like on the video, at least. And um, they took offense to that, and they came, and they surrounded her. They beat her up. They, um, they One of them tried to bite her eye out. Like, that's how <laughs> savage and disgusting someone could be. Really hungry. Exactly. So this person brought it up to me and I was like, and obviously I was disturbed. I don't want anybody to go through that. Um, she was like, a woman can't just go get some wine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and oh yeah, my bad. I forgot to say that. She went to go get a, a wine, but she wanted a bottle of wine. Like when she got like late at night, she had the urge to get a bottle of wine. I live in Southside Jamaica, Queens. I live in an area where the Chinese spot has glass bulletproof. <laughs> I'm not going over there at 1 a.m. and quote unquote, I'm a dude. You know what I'm saying? Like someone who is perceived to be able to defend themselves, I guess, more. That's what I was saying. I was just like, damn, I understand. I want to live in a world that you want to live in, too, where we could just leave whenever we want. We used to go to school in Indiana. We went to a school. We went to a school where the town next over, the Red Dragon resurfaced from the Ku Klux Klan. I wasn't going to go bring, even though BLM didn't exist, I wasn't going to go bring, you know what I'm saying, like the protest over to that town. You know what I'm saying? So that was my point. That was my, I've had a couple of females get, again, get very upset at me, be like, you're victim blaming, this and that. And I'm like, I just don't understand, like, why it's that important to go get a bottle of wine if you know that that area is dangerous. Then when they were asking people, 
um, when they were asking residents around the area, like, had they, like, they knew about this. They, like, this, this group had done it before. So in my, like, in my thing, like, where were you when, like, this whole area knew that these people were doing this and, like, you missed the memo in your own neighborhood that, like, this is happening? So that was, those are my questions. Again, dirty, nasty. They, I think they found the dudes. The whole area ganged together and and stood up for the woman like they rightfully should have done. But everybody, stop going to liquor stores at two in the morning where you know it's a dangerous place. Yeah, yeah, like you know, I, I definitely think there is because I know, and yeah, especially if you had a few, like you may not. I see both sides. One side is like, yes, everyone should be able to go anywhere they want at any point at any time of day and do whatever they want to do without fear of being, you know, like beat up. Like I live in Taiwan, safest country in the world. I've been walking down dark alleys in Taiwan at two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning with <laughs> creepy guy behind me. And the last thing I'm thinking about is him robbing me. I'm thinking about him stopping and saying, hey, you dropped five dollars. Let me give it back to you. That's how safe. Wow. I like that life. Shit. It froze, Carl. Carl, it froze. Yeah, oh. that's how safe Taiwan is. So, you know, like I don't know what that was. That was weird. Like, that's how safe Taiwan is. It's like, you know. Uh, nighttime, I don't have to worry about that. But I also understand, like, yes, being from Chicago is like when I it was 2 a.m. I needed to get gas. I knew which gas stations not to go to. Or if I pulled up and saw some people that was creepy, if I felt uncomfortable, I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna run away. But it seems like you know she went inside. Maybe she didn't see them from outside. Like she she went inside and then saw them. Was like, oh, I thought it was cool. So again, there's a lot of variables there that we just don't know. But um, yeah, I do. I understand. Get both sides. Like, yes, practice the self awareness. I wouldn't recommend my sister ever going anywhere at 2 a.m. to a liquor store. Uh, no matter honestly, no matter where it is, it can be in white Bumblebird town. Like they still be out there, you know, trying to lynch people and stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I can see both sides. But I do again. It's not not her fault at all. It's just the shitty people that she ran into at the time. So I have a I have a, a personal situation that relates more to the TikTok challenge, the silhouette challenge. Um, when I was younger, like in, so, I don't really I don't send nudes. I don't ask for nudes, but that doesn't mean that I haven't. That, mean, that means that I learned my lesson early in life and that I'm done. I'm scarred enough where, like, I will never do it again. So one of the things that scarred me was a self-inflicted. I was 17 or 16 at the time, and back then you couldn't sell, sell, uh, send nudes. I was uh, sending Polaroids. I was sending fucking Kodak films to bitches. Not, not many. It was one person. And I was in a long-distance relationship. The girl was in Florida. And I decided to develop film of my dick. What a fucking idiot. And I even, even when I went to the fucking CVS or whatever it was, I forgot where it was, the person's looking at me like, for real, why did I do that? Why did I have to see that? <laughs> like, and I'm like looking at him like, my bad I'm going to say, do your job. I'm like, <laughs> so, so I get that. So, uh, like, later, I forget about it. I put it in my drawer. Again, I'm underage, so I'm still living at home. And my mother is nosy, and I knew my mother was nosy, and I still put it in my drawer. Chick mm. found it, and it became a big deal—not a big deal, but she was traumatized in, in my mind. <laughs> uh, 
I was like, you burnt the wrong sun because I'm not ashamed. Of like, That's your fault. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't want you to see my dick at this age, but that was you. So, but, but in my opinion, I still was the wrong one. I still knew that my mom was nosy. I still knew that, like, it was dumb to take those photos of my penis and keep them in a fucking drawer. So that's my point. Does anybody have any accountability? Like, I mean, again, I personally, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I personally would not do anything naked with any type of lighting and put it up on the internet and not expect and somehow it's going to be messed with. Like, again, and then like, oh, yeah, I'm making this photo. I'm sure there are people like, oh, my God, wait, he's naked. Wait, but I can't see anything. Let me see if I can. Like, people zoom in for dick prints. So I know if they're zooming in for dick prints, if there's a way to manipulate light and they're just sitting around bored, especially during the pandemic, anything I post, with any type of lighting, they're going to find a way to do it. Again, I also have that background knowledge. Know that. Again, I don't want to assume that everyone also has that same level of understanding technology because I come from a place where I didn't know a lot, and now I know a lot more. I'm like, man, I really didn't know a lot, and I did a lot of stupid stuff. So, again, I understand. Yes, I think you have to be accountable for your own actions. I think sending, posting anything nude, even though you're quote-unquote covered, is just a bad idea unless you're comfortable with your news being out there. Like, that's why OnlyFans is there. Like, I, will, I would have did all my silhouettes on OnlyFans. Like, oh, I got to pay $17 to, to, to see me. That's true. And I man. might have on underwear. Surprise. That's right. That's right, Kendrick. This dick ain't for free. <laughs> I feel you. Um, who cried? Why did Chloe cry? Oh, no, because uh, well, it wasn't really about the silhouette challenge. But, I mean, you know, she put out a few videos, I think, after the silhouette challenge. I think one of them was with, like, a red light. But she was clothed, I guess. Um, but now I mean, people were like, you know, because she, she was a young woman when she came into the industry. And now she's a a grown-ass woman, if you will. People are like Chloe who? Chloe up. Kardashian, Chloe Savine? No, no, no. Chloe and Halle from uh, the... the oh, the, um, yeah. uh, one of them that's going to be Ariel and Little Mermaid. Oh, I love yeah. that. They're, they're signed over there Beyonce, I believe. Yeah, Ariel is uh, Halle. That, that's the one that she don't be doing. Cause she's beautiful. She, she's trying to get that Disney bag. So she yeah, can't good do for her. Launch. Get that bag. Uh, ha- Chloe, yeah, Halle is that one. Chloe the one. She ain't got that Disney. She ain't getting that Disney bag. She can probably do whatever she want. But yeah, no, she's she, she becoming so womanhood. She got on IG Live trying to talk about it. And she got people making her cry, like saying weird stuff. It's like, nah, man, like women should be able to, again, safely express how themselves or they want to without fear of discrimination and, like, people attacking you and saying this, that, and the third. But that's an example I think you use. It's like, hey, you know how the Internet is. You ain't got to respond. Either put it out there and then don't care what people think because that's, you know, what that's the Internet is. Yeah. Or put it out there and don't say don't say nothing at all. Like, there's really no in-between with that. Like, if you put it out there, you can't be mad at people having certain types of reactions because that's just how the Internet is. Now, old man being creepy, that's different. That's just creepy. But, like, people <laughs> saying things that have an opinion is like, this is what the internet is. And especially if you, you know, do things that are perceived sexy, then, like, like you're going to have some words exchanged. But I, I definitely sympathize and empathize with it because, like, things people were saying are just terrible and miserable. But I use that example not to say, again, nothing with Chloe. Like, her thing was just separate. But the example of putting things out there and, like, not expecting those things to happen. But, no, she doesn't, didn't deserve anything to be said, obviously. But... It kind of just happened as a result of people being creepy cool. and being on the Internet. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I do think that the people like me, that everybody says jaded or a hater or something like that, I think I have just as many rights to to comment, judge, be a social commentary, all that kind of stuff, just like that person has the right to want to 
receive positive feedback for their their work, their creation, all that kind of stuff. There's people who hate on my podcast all the time. That's fine. They have every right to do that. That's okay. Like I have the right to suck just as much as I have the right to excel. So yeah. I don't. So it's. I, but I, I don't know that Chloe situation. So I don't. Oh, yeah. so, well, like, I don't want anybody like, to bully her either. But nah, like I said, like, people like, have the right to mouth off too. Yeah, because like when she got on, I'm like Chloe, you don't owe nobody no explanation. You go out there Word. and live your best life. Absolutely. You ain't got to say nothing to nobody. You out here winning. They losing. You're right, Carl. I got one more thing. I got one more. Uh, everybody going to think that you're a misogynist like me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in New York, in New York, the bus is a treat. Um, being on the on the public transportation is always a treat. And uh, there was this person. I just saw a viral video. I think it's from TikTok. And this dude is on the is on the bus, and this lady is yelling at the bus driver. It's a very common thing. I'm sure that's pretty common in Chicago too. Um, probably not so much in Taiwan. A little bit more even keel over there. But um, people are always yelling at the bus driver as if it's the bus driver's fault that the person's late. I've done it too. I've been like, yo, why are we going to make every fucking stop? It's like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Even when I do it, I'm just like, hey, what are you doing? Ah, I'm going to be even more late. Like, stupid. Even the conductor. Like, it's, it's just dumb, but we all do it. I don't think New Yorkers are ever going to stop doing it. So there's this lady, an elder lady. She starts yelling at the bus driver. And the person, and I think I might have said this to you, actually. The, the person sitting in the bus um, says, yo, we all going to be late. You ain't no different. Oh, you didn't see it? Yeah. Oh, my no, God. I, I, I saw that part. I didn't see the whole thing, though. Oh, so she's saying, mind your own business, even though she's yelling at a bus driver, like, in front of everybody. I don't see, like, how that's not everybody's business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're all going to the same destination. Like, I don't like, where did it, where's the disconnect of our business? I don't, I don't, we're all vested in this bus, this crowded-ass <laughs> bus. So I got, again, I got a lot of Larry Flack, Larry David Flack, because I was just like, I, I agree with him. And everyone's like, well, first of all, why is he letting us stand? And I'm like, uh, there's 8 million people in New York, guys. Like, you can't give it up to every fucking female. Like, maybe, like, a pregnant lady, maybe, like, a handicapped person. But, like, a functioning female that has two legs and, like, can go to work and get up just like everybody else, I don't see why we have to give up our seat to that person. So I'm sure you have different opinions, and I want to hear them. I mean, I mean... Again, if you're if you're in a public space and you're making a very public comment, you can't say that like mind your business. Like if you're on your cell phone yelling at somebody, again, they're none of my business because I can't physically see or be on that person. But you know, people like I've been to Chicago on the bus. People start stopping. Like it was a video. I don't remember that video. That guy uh, on the bus. I don't know if it, it might have been Detroit, maybe not Chicago. And like that girl stand up and then the, that bus driver got up and punched the shit out that girl. Oh, so, that was like, crazy. Uh, and she was wilding uh, on him before that. Not to say yeah. that I believe anybody like. Nah, nah. He, he was he was in the wrong because he he, he was all the way yeah, I was gonna say you need equal force. I agree. Like if you would have like clapped there, like I'd be like, okay, but yeah, you're right. He, he like strong, a strong stiff arm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He went. Yeah, that. he tried to destroy her. That wasn't okay. That. Yeah, you're right. He was trying to. Destroy but it, but it's like yeah, it's like but I've been also on the bus to Chicago, just actually riding by myself in the bus driver. Like somebody saw something crazy at the bus driver, and everybody on the bus was like, hey, shut up. We trying to get home. You distracting us. You make now it's a problem with me. Now you're disrupting my personal time. Like, oh no, I'm mad at your business. I'm talking this between me and the bus driver. I'm about to fight him. Cool, you fight him on your time when I'm Ooh. not on your bus. You would be a great you bus I mean? driver. I would love to like, hear you. Like, 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 oh, you gotta, move. Hey, come take ten and pipe down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. I'll, people always feel like entitled with oh, if I'm, I'm an argument like this is my personal business until they get hit. Word. Everybody or somebody gets snapped on. Like, oh, take it out, film him. Look what he's saying to me. Like, no, you, you, 
you started this or maybe she didn't. I don't know. But yeah. like whoever started it, like once you once it's a public thing, it's just a public thing. You're in a public place. Like, Even with the cell phone, um, the bu- I don't know how it is in the Midwest or Taiwan, but when I am on the bus or the train, they make an announcement a couple of times. Please do not have loud conversations on your phone. And it even says it on the sign when you're getting in the bus. Please no loud conversations on your cell phone. So even that, that's all our business because you're, you're not even following the fucking rules. And I love when people bring food. I've done it too, by the way. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm always ready. I'm a New Yorker. I'm ready to be hypocritical at all times. <laughs> That's a, that's a real New Yorker. We all we have to contradict ourselves no matter what and complain about it. So, um, yeah, I brought food and I'd be like, mind your business. But I'm breaking the rules. But that's how New Yorkers are. We never feel like we're breaking the rules. And when we're breaking the rules, mind your fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like, oh, what, are you doing something bad? Okay, cool. You, you not. I want you go over there and you mind your business while I do what I'm doing over here. What I'm doing has nothing to do with you. And again, that makes, that makes perfect sense. True. At the time. True. I love your shirt, by the way. Before we get into oh, some motherfucking music. Yes, man. You got great apparel. I need to step my fucking game up. Don't forget to bring a towel. What the fuck did I hear? That was very enjoyable, Carl. I, I try not to make the what's happening so uh, long but and lengthy, but you're a great person to talk to, so thank you for that. Uh, and, yeah, we don't usually talk about sports, but you're very you're very knowledgeable in that area, even though you, uh, you're a little gobbler about Tom. <laughs> I, said, I, said he, I said he wasn't a goat. You said he was a goat. <laughs> I know, man. I, I know. Come on, man. Lawrence, Do I guys Lawrence Taylor. I love Lawrence Taylor, but I'm a Jet fan, man. I can't be calling that Giants player the best just player saying. of all time. What the fuck is that? Marilyn Manson, that boy has been way too naughty. We always used to think that it was a stage act, that he was just like this fucking demonic stigmata. But no, actually, the women in his life uh, say that it's true. Uh, you know, Army Hammer is uh, is a cannibal. But this guy right here is pretty close to that, too, man. He likes to whip them. He likes to rape them. He likes to have his friends rape. Um, So a few years ago, Evan Rachel Wood, she is the main star in uh, Westworld, uh, she went up to Congress and anonymously outed Marilyn Manson because the statute of limitation, the cops already told her they wouldn't be able to defend her. Even in a libel, nothing. She wouldn't be able to defend her. So he ne- she never said his name. Mm-hmm. Then a few other of his ex-girlfriends uh, doubled down on it. And now she has, has uh, outed his name, Marilyn Manson. A lot of projects have dropped him. Same thing with Army Hammer and him being a cannibal. Uh, they have canceled Marilyn Manson finally. I'll, I'll believe it when little Uzi Vert takes off the chain. I'll I'm believe that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this, man? Do you believe uh, the accusations of physical abuse and allegations against uh, Mr. Marilyn Manson? I mean, and I think I was actually, I actually saw something the other day where people were like, uh, I forgot exactly what it said. Damn, it was actually really relevant to this. So it was like, yeah, like it takes a long time for, it's either something about taking a long time for abusers to recognize that they've abused someone. Mm-hmm. Or, 
or on the likes of uh, people who have been abused to actually come to the forefront and actually, you know, to speak it out loud, like, hey, and even recognize yourself that, hey, I was abused. So, again, I don't, you know, without knowing someone personally, it's hard to say whether I believe it or not, but it's just, I do think that all the stories are worth being heard mm-hmm. and fact checked, not necessarily fact checked, but like looked into and then investigated. And then, honestly, what I would, like, people, when these situations always come up, it's kind of like when you're teaching, like, oh, this, this student thinks, made this other student feel this way, but they don't, the other student doesn't see why they felt that way. I would say, hey, how about y'all sit down and talk to each other? Just sit down and actually talk one person at a time, actually listen by yourselves without me, and then come to a conclusion together before you walk out of the classroom. Such a Take teacher. Like, Such an educator right? over here. <laughs> like, honestly, it's like, yeah, having a moderator would help if one person's being stubborn or the other, but not like you can't leave until both of you guys walk out of here feeling like there's been some kind of conclusion. And like that sounds hard, difficult, but if you physically can't leave a space until there's some kind of reconciliation, you're forced to at least listen to the other person. You know what I mean? And say, oh, okay, cool. I didn't recognize that this was happening or that when I did these things, it had this impact on you or the, you know, the stupid statement, but also sometimes true for some people in their own minds. I thought you were having a good time. <laughs> like no, no, I, yeah. that hurt. Or this was this was actually abuse, and you didn't. Re- so I think yeah, I, I with the bill, I have a whole different theory about the Bill Cosby thing. But um, yeah, I think again, it's just worth opening the dialogue and actually looking into it. And again, it could be a situation where like looking into it, and then he learned something about himself that you know he didn't recognize. Uh, it could be something where, again, it was all just kind of made up. We just don't know. Uh, unless you don't know them personally, don't really weren't really there during that time. But I think all these issues need to be investigated because even sometimes, like, men are abused as well. It's not really talked about. You don't really realize how you're abused. Emotional abuse is actually really, really big on the man side. Uh, again, we just don't recognize that because, you know, we're supposed to be big, strong men. Doesn't uh, we just don't worry about it. She's just tripping. No, she throws an iron at you. That ain't just tripping. No. You could have died, my man. An iron to the head and knock you out cold, especially if it's hot. It'll knock you out hot. So, yeah, I think it's just worth having opening the dialogue and looking into it and him confronting it and actually having those conversations about it. Word. I usually believe the victims or the accusers, um, especially when it comes to sexual assault and abuse uh, towards women on the uh, domestic side, the uh, the male versus woman side. That doesn't mean that that's a good thing. That doesn't mean that, like, my approach to that is the correct way to do that. Obviously, like you just said, um, even in moderation, investigations, whatever they ca- in the case may be, you have to look at both sides. You have to look in the gray areas. You have to look everywhere just so that you can have a, a, a good verdict, a good uh, judgment on, like, what to do to move forward. But because we've had 10,000 years of male dominance and women just being on the other side of the pendulum, I try to give the slight edge to women. But if I ever, ever deviate a little bit, just like a slight, I'm, I'm like the worst misogynist of all time. Like if I, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like that is a fault of mine. That is a fault of mine. Um, I have to work on my questions because I, that, that actually stood out to me when you said um, victims don't know that they're being abused until later. And even even the abusers sometimes don't know that they're abusing someone until way later. And that hit me hard because that's actually really true. I've, I've abused people in situations, friendships, relationships. And even in the conversation where I got into trouble with my friend um, in a DM where she was telling me about her abusive situation and I was asking questions, but I was asking it as if like she could have done something differently to avoid that or blah, blah, blah. And that's not really what I meant. So I got to be careful with that. Like you just said, like not a lot of people realize they're in that bubble and in the, in that danger. And so me asking that kind of like post-traumatic kind of uh, a follow-up 
kind of necessary because, like you said, we don't we don't know we don't know. Yeah, and I think and it, it's, it's the I mean because I've dealt and I've mentored people who've been through that and I've uh, helped a lot of people along. So I just have a lot of professional quote unquote mm-hmm. hands on experience. A lot more than me, it. but it's but it's yeah, it just, it's always uh, it's always. I've always just encouraged an open dialogue about again, not necessarily his demands in particular issue, but an open dialogue about things when it comes up um, for like maybe like not as serious as like sexual assault, but like uh, other well, all all of them are serious. Not to devalue any one or the Absolutely. other, but like things with like verbal, uh, what is what is that word? I'm not verbal. Um, Mental abuse, verbal abuse. Yeah, yeah, verbal and like mental abuse, things like that. Like it's always to have that open dialogue with the. But again, both sides have to be ready. I guess a lot more that goes into that as well. But yeah, like it's always good to know like which questions to ask, how to approach someone that's been dealing with it, what not to say, uh, like to listen to their cues, pick up on things that they're saying that that isn't usual. Like there's there's a lot of things that you can kind of look toward um, when having those because those conversations are hard and no one's perfect at them. No matter how much certification you have, if you don't person have a personal connection with that person. And things that work with someone, but one person may not work with the other. So it's really just important to, you know, if you don't know, ask for help. I agree. I don't mind people thinking I'm an asshole in general, but like subjects like that, I need to work. I need to be better because uh, there's not, it's never a good optic when you're on the side of like, when people think that you're on the side of the abuser, like Chris Brown, there was a I'm not going to get too deep into that. We've talked about that on the show before. But, yes, I stood on a hill for Chris Brown, and I will never do it ever again. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're right. We all have to do better, and I, I definitely have to do better. If I had to give myself a grade on talking to people that have been abused, I would have to give myself a D minus at least. I would give myself an F, actually, but I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> um, Tony Bennett, uh, he is an older star. He was uh, – um, in association with Frank Sinatra for a long time. I actually worked at uh, Frank Sinatra High School for a little while when I was a teacher. And uh, he is the one that founded that school in uh, Astoria next to the Museum of Moving in- Image. Actually, it's near um, Astoria, Kaufman Studios, too, where they film, like, Orange and Black, some Marvel stuff, blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a really cool area. Uh, so um, Tony Bennett, like I said, he has Alzheimer's. He's gone. He's battled drugs for a long time, but he's still one of the greatest singers of all time. Um, are you? Uh, do you have anybody um, in your network of friends, family uh, that has dealt with Alzheimer's? Um, are, are you a fan of Tony Bennett at all? Oh well, not a big Tony Bennett fan to be honest. Okay. Um, gotcha. I've heard a few, heard a few songs, but no, yeah, Alzheimer's run not runs in, but a lot of my mothers, my grandmother's sisters and brothers, I think five out of ten, she had eleven brothers and sisters. Five out of ten of them had it, so it is something. And I know it has a lot to do with honestly Coca Cola. People don't want to think about that, but I think well, sorry, you might be sponsored by Coke, but I. No, conspiracy theorists, conspiracy <laughs> theorists, conspiracy theorists think that has something to do with Coca Cola or Pepsi, but you know, who knows? But, so. um, yeah, I know it's like, but, um, no, yeah, I have a lot of experience with it. Uh, it is it's extremely difficult to deal with. It kind of, for some people, comes out of nowhere, but there are signs. Uh, a healthy diet does make a difference. People don't get that. Like eating a lot of uh, eating a lot of peanuts, uh, protein, grain based things like are always really good. That's a huge part of it. And just exercising and you know reading. I think a lot of people, older people that I know that have no problems with Alzheimer's, like my grandmother, reads all the time. Like she's just an avid reader. She's an absorber of knowledge and she's active like the moment you become inactive it's easier to get you know I mean not easier to get but you're more likely to get certain things because your brain slows down but as long as you stay active the more active you are the less you know likely you are to get it and it's really hard to tell who's active and who's not especially when you're rich and famous and you you know live 
far away out from a lot of people and pe- things are done for you so you have to do them on your own but yeah not a big Tony Bennett fan but I mean it is a serious uh, it is a disease or a, not necessarily a disease but it's a uh, a diagnosis, I want to say, a condition, yeah, I, a syndrome. I think it is. Condition. I think it's. I think it's an autoimmune. I think it's an autoimmune uh, immune uh, disease. I think it is. Like okay. multiple sclerosis, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cognitive uh, yeah. functioning. Yeah, it's big in my it family was, too, and it's hereditary, and it's big in the black community. Uh, a lot of you're right. A lot of my dad's family uh, has had it and has it, or, or is on the way to having it. Uh, it was just a movie, so I can't like really say that like, oh, well, there's some people that like it's the opposite. But I guess it was based on a true story, the Julianne Moore movie. I think it was called something Alice, and uh, she was a a, a world renowned linguistic, and so she was very highly intelligent, like probably top tier, and she got dementia. And they said that um, – not they said, sorry. Um, a, a professional in the movie said that um, people that are really intelligent set up a lot of building blocks in their head, a lot of mechanisms to remember things, a lot of, like, moving parts. So they were saying – and I'm not, I'm not disputing I'm just saying, like, what I, I heard in the movie um, – that people that do do that often, highly intelligent people, those are the ones that are more susceptible because their, their, their brain is breaking down from all that – that that movement, their their brain is like violently just saying, "Yo, this is a lot." <laughs> you put me through the ringer for like for a long time, so I gotta I gotta shut down. So that's just for the movie. So I can't like really I, I can't like really dispute that. I was just giving it a, another perspective. Hmm. Okay. Um, On to some debut music uh, during the Super Bowl. There were a couple songs that made their debut. Um, it's actually from the soundtrack um, from her. Uh, it's called. Oh yeah. Yeah, actually, let me find that uh, that movie. That's a great one. It's about the premiere. Uh, I think Daniel Oway is supposed to be in it. It's like it's a. Uh, wow! I can't believe I lost it. Her. What soundtrack is it from? And I didn't see the movie yet. It's Gabby Wilson. I love her. I love her. Well, let's talk about while I'm looking for um, where it's from. Did you see the, the Dolly Parton commercial, uh, Five to Nine, where she changed her song? I kind of did. I kind of did. I don't think I don't remember as clearly as I thought I did. I, as you, when you talked about it, I was like, man, I remember that one, but I don't know how clearly I remember that one. But I can actually bring it up on YouTube. Nice. Are those already out already? This was a very underwhelming commercial segment, by the way. I disagree. Tell me. Tell me why it was underwhelming. There weren't any ones that stood out. We just said some. We just said, like, five of them. The Tracy Morgan one, where, like, he was saying pretty sure. Oh, uh, I mean, other than that. Well, tell me, tell me a year. No, actually, that's too specific. Damn, there is a new movie out. It's like Justice or something like that, and it's uh, with uh, I think it's with Daniel Oluwey from Get Out. I think he's in a new movie that's like about the debut. He's got like the green beret hat and shit like that. Damn, new movie with Daniel something Oluwe. in the Justice. Damn, I wish Justice that. Mercy? No, Just Mercy. No, no, that's no, that's uh, a that's, that, that's, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Damn. Damn. Bennett and Justice Smith in all the bright places. Justice on trial? No. Wow, my phone is bugging. I'm doing, 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 doing this. 
Wow, this is really bad. Why is this movie not popping up? <laughs> yeah, it's not only IMBD unless it's Judas and the Black Messiah. Ah, that's who it is. Who who is that? Is that is that my man um D- uh, Boyega? Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, that's him. That is that is the guy from Queen of Slim. That is oh, yeah. uh, the guy from um, Get Out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, what is that called? Judas and the uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. Okay. So my bad, guys. That is where her song derives from. It is on that soundtrack. I am going to watch that movie. I actually have been looking forward to that movie, but there's been a lot of movies lately. So please repeat that name, Carl, and thank you so much for finding that. Judas and the Black Messiah. Nice. I will definitely be watching that soon. And where is that streaming? I don't know. Oh, it's okay. We'll get <laughs> we'll get it, we'll get into that when we get into the what the fuck. Uh, it's on. I think it's in theaters. Yeah. HBO so, Max. Oh, so, HBO oh, so Max. yeah, I was about to say. So it was part of that HBO Max rollout. HBO gotcha. Max. Gotcha. All right. So let's get into some movies since we're already talking about it. I'm gonna get a little high. What the fuck did I watch? Malcolm and Marie. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> the black blue Valentine. Holy shit! If you're into toxic relationships, if you've been in a toxic relationship, if you're entertained by toxic relationships, if you live in an apartment where only a wall is stopping you from domestic violence, uh, report a report. This is the movie for you. This is the movie for you. Uh, Zendaya, Zendaya, and uh, my man John David Washington, great actors. Um, Seth Levinson, he is the creator of Euphoria. He directs this as well. It's a a quarantine production, so it was just the two of them. They tried to stay as safe as possible. I thought it was I thought it was very good. I thought it was very good, especially with just two people um, just doing the whole dialogue like a play, like pretty much, like just focusing in on them. There was a big of a, a huge, uh, not huge age gap, but like you know, it was a bit of an age gap that uh, a lot of people like to focus on with that. Zendaya had something to say about that. She was like, "I play a lot of child parts, so I'm pretty sure that's why you think that you can't think of me as adult." Uh, yeah. They, they, I, I agree with other people that have seen it. There's no right and wrong, but there's a lot of people choosing sides. Did you see this movie, Carl? I didn't see it yet, but I've read a lot. I've saw people have a lot of feedback about it. Um, one person they said is just basically, uh, it was like, it was, you know, need to be trigger warnings because it is like a lot of, I think what we're talking about, like mental, mental and mental abuse. I don't know about the physical part, but a lot, a lot of mental abuse. And again, like, I don't like, I don't particularly like when films do that for black people in particular because it, you know, just with Hollywood and how we're portrayed, it does put, it pits us against each other. The fact that we have to choose sides for a man and a woman, especially when you do it like that. Um, I, I do believe that I, when I, I'm going to watch it, but I, I hope that it's a good piece of art. I mean, like the acting is superb and they are both amazing actors and doing great series and shows, but I hope that, uh, I think they hope that they do a good job of communicating the meaning behind it and what they want people to walk away from instead of, you know, allowing Twitter, because that's what it's going to start with, let's be honest, to, to kind of take it and run with it and kind of paint it in a certain light. Like, I've had really friends that have seen it, you know, had early access and said, uh, Charles Kirk, I don't know if you know him. He was like, oh, yeah, Charles. Not, oh, yeah, he went to the screening. Yeah, he went to the screen. It's like, he's like, it's not, it's not that, it's not all that, which again, I think they would have granted salt. Well, Everybody has different tastes. Well, he's also married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, let. He's probably, like, like, probably like, Shereen, uh, 
<laughs> that way. <laughs> but also, like, again, single friends is like, nah, man, she crazy. Nah, man, he crazy. But, again, I, I'll watch it and I can make my own, like, uh, opinion of it. But, like, toxic relationships, I just think that it's not, especially people being in a pandemic and being chat with people, I just don't think it's a good time to release things about toxic relationships because if you're not with a partner that you can have that kind of open dialogue where it doesn't pour into your own relationship, that's dangerous. Like, people don't, again, a lot of toxic people, be toxic as hell and don't be knowing it and you don't be calling them out on it because you be in love. So uh, it's really like to watch that. That's a great point. So, I mean, and that's it's like, it's like, like I've done that too. Like, oh no, she's great. And she's a raging alcoholic, girl. All your friends are telling you that, but you, all you see is love. I almost um, fell in love with a heroin addict, so I, I definitely feel you on that. Definitely feel you on that. Shout out to my boy Dev when I told him that. He was like, oh, well, that's not happening. Like, I'm going to make sure <laughs> <laughs> was, once, I, once I admitted that to him, I was like, yeah, she used to be a heroin addict when she was a teenager. She was like, ooh. Oh, and my, my boy Paul, shout out to him, too. He was like, Vince, we're not letting that happen. We're not letting, like, you can have fun with her, but, like, if it starts getting serious, we're going to fucking punch you in the face. I'm like, and shout out to her. She has a baby now, and she's married. That was only, like, two years ago. Yeah, man, women move fast, man. Women move fast. You go from quack to whack to all types of shit. All of, anyway, um... Malcolm Marie, like I said, um, one more thing about it, uh, without spoiling anything, I, I agree with a lot of your points. I don't think anything, art should be timed, but I definitely get where you're coming from. Uh, I don't, I think that it was done on purpose, the, uh, the divisiveness of it. That's how movies go. Just like Team Edward and Team whatever that motherfucker, Tyler, uh, from fucking, uh, uh, what's that thing called, uh, uh, Twilight, Twilight, uh, Issa Rae and Lawrence, yeah. Team Issa, Team Lawrence. Like it's just fun. It's especially in the, the age of social media, a lot that it just creates a lot of engagement. And so I thought that was genius. I thought that was genius pit, pitting people together. Uh, as far as like the black community, um, I kind of ran into this before with um, a, a, a movie called uh, Spell, and it was um, with my man from uh, Power. From my Power. Man. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With those uh, boogities. Ah! <laughs> I never heard that, but that's true. But, but uh, my, my homegirl, Courtney, my narratives, she was disappointed, and I felt like it, it kind of gave the similar vibe what you were saying. She, even though there are Appalachian blacks out there, there are country blacks, there are, you know, voodoo, all that kind of stuff. Everybody deserves a depiction. Everybody deserves a story. But she's, but she was saying kind of thing you were saying, like, yeah, that exists, but there, there are a lot more things to project and there are a lot of things to, to promote an image of a black couple. Why we got to do this one? So I, I definitely see what you guys are saying. I actually thought, I mean, well, I, I understand, I mean, I agree with that, and I, I, I see that, but I thought with that one at least, it was like, it's, like, Malcolm and Marie sounds a lot like Malcolm, Malcolm, uh, what's his name? Malcolm X, sorry. Oh, I don't know what it is, guys. Yeah. I know what it is. When I hit Miami, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a great movie, too. Um, cool. But, uh, yeah, with that one, I think it's because it's it's uh, it's fiction. Sorry, nonfiction. What's the fake one? I always get those mixed nonfiction. up. Nonfiction. Oh, fiction. Yeah, fiction. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I like Yeah, it's fiction based. So I'm like, I don't really take that much into it. I think when, but I think like you said, like there are a lot of again Appalachian black people. I think, but you couldn't put them in a different light. I think because it's fiction, I don't really take the movie itself too seriously. And it was a bad movie overall. But 
Um, yeah, it was it was fun to see uh, uh, Loretta Devine play a different character. Yeah, Omari oh, oh, uh, Hendricks. That's uh, the yeah. guy from Power. And I love I love Loretta Devine. I love her from Wait and Exhale and everything she does. She's so great. Like, it was good to see her. And like him, he he, he basically was like the opposite of his character on Power, but not really at the same time. He started off very like, similar. To yeah. like the uppity. <laughs> yeah, and then it was like, oh my god, I'm scared for my life. You chopped off my foot. You got I got a nail on my foot. Like, come on, ain't nobody. I mean, I guess. I, I don't know what I would do if I had a nail in my foot, but I'm like, I probably just give, I'd give up. That's Ouch. it. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. <laughs> Appalachia, here I come. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the next uh, Netflix, uh, Lupin. Lupin. It is um, a thief. Uh, actually, let me click into that, the cast for that. I actually forgot his name. I think his name is Hassan. Oh, Omar Sy. He's actually really popular in France. Um, his name is Hassan Diop, uh, and he, um, speaking of book, and shout out to your reading grandmother. She uh, she has a grandson that doesn't know the difference between nonfiction and fiction. Hey, uh, like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing she reads. <laughs> but anyway, um, so my man uh, Omar Sy, Shireen Batella, uh, Ludman, and there's a lot of women in the show actually. So he uh, is in. He, he grows up, and his father goes to jail through this uh, really, really rich family, and. He wants to see if that actually occurred. He wants to see if his dad is really a thief. And so in order to uncover that mystery, he becomes a thief himself through a book that his father really liked and a character that actually is a famous thief as well. Very good. Very good show. Uh, very short. Um, the second season is supposed to have more episodes. That's coming soon, but obviously it's been delayed through the pandemic. Carl, you watched this show. What did you think about it? That was great. I liked it. I think it was a clever spin on it. I think I think it was good to see a black person, a French black person, at that because uh, the movie is in French, and it's like they did a good job with the the. They finally got the mouth thing right, where you can they speak oh, yeah. English and the subtitles, but it ain't feeling like it was the too weird. Yeah, like, Netflix is really good at that. Right? Like, I appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah, I, and then, but no, it was the story overall was good. like I didn't expect a lot of things to happen to happen. I mean, it was kind of like a how to get away with murder, but uh, with a black man and like with a different spin to it. Um, and then he was, he was smart, and he and how resourceful he was was just surprising to me. Um, but also, again, very, very interesting. So, again, it, it was a very, very good overall movie. I think it was great, well done. He's an amazing actor. He was in a movie with, uh, what's that guy named? Uh, the guy that played The Godfather. Not Michael, but the other one. Uh, uh, my man, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. He's a movie with Robert De Niro that was really good, really? too, also in French. Yeah. This is my debut uh, for him right now. Maybe I did see him, but I don't remember He's really good. So, yeah, it was actually really good. I enjoyed it. It was good to watch. And it was short. I wish it was much longer. But it was good to watch, quick to the point. Um, yeah, he had a little son in there. So son was a little cool. stupid, but other than that, it was cool. Oh, man, I, I like him a lot. I love Omar Sy. I got to catch more of him, to be honest. Cool. I'm glad you got to see that. Never, rarely, sometimes, always is a film about this teenage girl who goes through a lot of abusive situations, a lot of things that you would view as passive that, like, you know, would happen in a typical small town. Still not right. Still gross, disgusting. Um, so the, they follow these teenage girls named Autumn and Skyler, pretty typical for Pennsylvania, teenage girls. Uh-huh. Um, and they're played by Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder. They're actually uh, Irish Americans themselves. Um, so in Pennsylvania, you would think it's only a state away from New York. They have very stringent abortion laws. And you need a parent. It, it just, it's just a lot more um, restrictions than there are than New York. So... She has to go to New York City to go get this abortion done because of how fucked up 
Pennsylvania is. As a matter of fact, they they lied to her about her due. They lied to her how many weeks she was just so they can convince her to come to term with the baby. It's a crazy ass movie, and like I said, it uncovers a lot of abuse that you don't think is about to happen. You just think it's just some regular abortion visit. No, and the reason why it's called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always is because those are the options they give when they're asking about trauma. So during the social worker interviews the person getting the abortion and then during that they ask a questionnaire about their partners and their partners they try to figure out basically if they were getting raped or basically if they were getting abused or like if they were forced into any sex acts so never rarely sometimes always are the little bubbles and are the little bubbles that they check off like did this person abuse you please tell us never rarely sometimes always and a very strong film. I enjoyed it a lot. Is that something? Uh, is that something in, that you would watch, or is that too? Is that too depressing? <laughs> uh, that, that's not really uh, like something you got. You got to watch you in the best mood ever. But um, no, nah, I mean it's again you know, interesting concept. Definitely something I would check out. Just you know, for you know, I like I'm a fan of art and uh, realism too. So I think I would definitely check it out. Yeah, no, very indie type of movie. That is on HBO Max right now. I tried to download it, but I didn't realize that it was already on HBO Max. Now I have it. <laughs> Uh, another round. Uh, have you ever seen Hannibal, uh, the show? No. Same All good. I did it. Oh, yeah, I love the movie. I actually didn't see the show either. I asked you that as if I watched it. No, I did not. Uh, Mad Mickelson, he, Mads Mickelson, he is one of my favorite movies called, uh, oh, man. Anyway, he is going to be in the Fantastic Beasts movie. He's uh, replacing Johnny Depp. He's a fantastic oh, actor. Yeah. So he leads in this movie called Another Round. And, um, it goes back to his Danish roots. He is a Danish actor. And uh, there are a bunch of teachers. And um, he has become really boring and stale. Like, his students don't listen to him anymore. They're just like, fuck, what do you have to say? And during dinner with his friends, he's, like, trying to remember during his birthday. He's like, where did it all go wrong? Like, when did I become, like, this fucking depressing person? And they all agree with him. His friends are just like, oh, we'll tell you what. And then so they, they make this interesting tidbit. It's actually real. It's actually true. We are born with an alcohol deficiency. We are born with zero, negative 0.5 deficiency. So basically, when we drink alcohol, we're filling a void. So hmm. when you drink like one, that's why when they tell you, like, you know, try to keep pace, blah, 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 because your body is naturally supposed to take alcohol. Like you, you don't need it. It's not like you're like, ah, I'm dependent on it, but your body's missing it. Your body like is missing that component. I thought that was so interesting. So they were, hmm. so basically, he tells Mads this, and he's like, they're like, what? So so we can just stay, like, a little bit tipsy and be better teachers and be better coaches, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, man. And that's why, like, you say, well, leveled, it's, like, kind of like an equilibrium. So they, they do that, and obviously it, it goes haywire. At first, they're teaching better. At first, like, the students are responding to them. But, and then and they're like, yeah. And then they yeah, become alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> and then reality sets in. And the original name is actually called Druk, which means drunk. And then the American title is called Another Round, because, you know, Americans don't like to admit that they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Is that something that's fun enough for you to watch? Oh, definitely. I'm definitely going to check that out. I haven't watched it yet. You know, I don't have a lot of time in Taiwan to watch movies. Cause you got you to find them. But, yeah, definitely going to check that one out, though. I got you, man. I got you. If you ever need some uh, VPN touring. Suggestions? Uh, I know where to know. go. I got you. Minari, we talked about this very briefly because I didn't watch it. Um, it is an Oscar favorite. It's with my homeboy from Walking Dead. It is also on Obama's uh, favorite movie list. That's where I mentioned it last time. But I'm going to give a little tiny review because it was really good. 
It was very, very good. Um, Steven Yoon, I actually went to, uh, he plays Jacob in the movie. Um, Han Yi Ri, she plays Monica. They're a couple. They come from California, actually. Um, they are, they are, sorry, they're Korean American. They come from California and they save up their money checking chickens, um, hen sexes. So like they see if it's a girl or a boy and they send it off oh, okay. or wherever to become yeah to become on a farm blah 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 and they were doing that in China they were doing sorry they were doing that in Korea as well and then they did that in uh, California so he saved up his bread and he he wants to own his own farm but they just show all the struggles and hardship that it goes through as a family to make that happen and it's it's extraordinary oh. and it's very good it's like and they do a lot of like. Korean speaking with subtitles, and then they go back and forth because they're in America. So, like, you're seeing the interact. It's very, very good. I really enjoyed it. That reminds me of a book I read called A Year of Impossible Goodbyes. It's actually the first book I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, very up, interesting the title. First long novel, novel I read, but it's about a Vietnamese young girl, and uh, you know, growing up during the Vietnam War, which where she got misplaced a bunch of times. So they would actually go to these. Ooh. She worked at her, uh, her family. They, the Vietnamese soldiers somehow, and then I uh, know whoever was fighting the war at the time. I forget which soldiers that came into the town erected it. Fire drill, fire drill. No, I'm joking. <laughs> took her mother. Oh, that, oh that is excellent. Uh, somebody's alarm outside. Sorry. Uh, they came in. They pillaged. They like they basically tore down their whole house. Then she ended up escaping through like a tunnel through her neighbors, and she ended up working in rice farms. But in China, mm-hmm. she was still Vietnamese, but she had to learn a language and all that. So it was actually a pretty interesting story. So that sounds that's a really good one. Similar to that, the book I actually it took me. The funny thing, I went to Denver. I actually lost the book. I forgot the title and all that, and ended up going to Denver on a road trip uh, through CP Travels a long time ago. My old travel company. And I was in a book. So I was like, man, I really want to find this book I read as a kid. And I gave him, like, I didn't know the name or anything. I was like, Vietnamese girl, rice patties. And then in, like, 20 minutes, he found the book. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Got a lot of like, stereotypes. He's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, man, I'm going to find this book for you. I'm like, I really want to read it again. And the thing is, I didn't read it because I was a bit superstitious. Like, a year of impossible goodbye. I was like, I don't really want to read a book. You know, anything could happen this year, stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm going to actually sit down and read it this year because it's just, I remembered it as a, from a young, I was eight years old when I read this book. But it was so powerful. Uh, but it was just a good book overall. So that's a good book I recommend you guys read if you can find it. Um, yeah. I got it off Amazon, so it's out there. Um, but it got all these awards and stuff like that. I love to read. Sorry, but yes, the movie. I'll check out the movie for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. I love to read. And we used to have a segment called What the Fuck Did I Read? But I need to read a little more in order for that to come back. <laughs> Freaky's the last movie before we get into the wonderful brand that has been developing for years uh, with my man, the Black Expat. So Freaky stars Vince Vaughn and uh, the woman, the girl from. Um, Three Billboards. Her name is Catherine Newton. It's very simple. It's a very simple plot. It's a mix between Friday the 13th and Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday is where they switch bodies, and Friday the 13th is a slasher movie, a classic slasher movie with Jason uh, Voorhees. So uh, my man Millie, my my, my man, my homegirl Millie, she's a high school student, lots of high school vibes, uh, very playful uh, kind of movie. And then there's a slasher killer, and Vince Vaughn is the slasher killer. They both, they both clash, and he tries to stab her with this, uh, with this ancient civilization knife that's, like, cursed. And when he stabs her, they switch bodies. So now she's the killer, and now he, he's a high school student with boobs. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool. I've, I've seen lots of movies where they try to mimic the Freaky Friday vibe, and I thought this one actually hit the mark. Uh, Vince Vaughn, uh, he sometimes plays really corny shit that sometimes you'll miss, and I think 
somebody would actually think that with this movie. This movie's actually pretty quality. Hmm. Actually, I was actually, because I, I watched a few of his movies, like he had with that movie when he was uh, The Wedding Crash and stuff like that. Um, you know, and he had a streak where he was doing a lot of movies at once, but I, I think he kind of spaces them out, out now. But I do, I appreciated him as an actor, so I'll definitely try to check it out. The concept seems interesting, again, as long as it's done well and not, like, you know, in a stupid way, where he's basically spending more time working through being a woman than, actually, you know, the, right, the plot I of the you. movie. I feel you. And they didn't so, do uh, that. I, they yeah. didn't do that. That's a good point. A very good point. <laughs> so, like, as long as that's it, then I think it'll be enjoyable. So I'll definitely try to check it out. It's not going to be on my top ten list. Yeah. Too, so I got so many other things, but I'm definitely going to try to check it out. Though. It was by accident, actually. And I feel you, man. If, if uh, my man uh, Vince Vaughn was trying to be, like, another Amanda Bynes movie, no thanks. Yeah, then, uh, I'm good. I'm good on that. All right, let's go interview the Black Jacks fans. Scott, what is it? Date rape psychosis. Date rape something. What the fuck did I say? Here we go. Here we go. My man, the black expat, CP travels, all types of shit, fucking arts and craft bar. I'm a huge fan. Stop letting me be this. Stop letting me geek out. Stop letting me freak out, Carl. Let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about CP travels. I know that, like, we're not traveling too much, but give us a scope oh, yeah. of what your, your services were providing when we were in our heyday traveling everywhere. Yeah, back in the days, we travels was where it's at. Because again, it was basically well. The short version of the story is we were trapped. We had been to myself and Patrick, ooh, twenty five countries. And when we went to Vietnam one day. Uh, the guy was like, "Oh yeah, it's customary for you to drink one to finish the keg with the with the owner of the the the, the hostel we were in." But like, all right, okay, cool. We we drink though, so hope you can handle this. And then we're like, we're like twenty five twenty five beers in. We go to sleep, but we wake up and like we're like, man, like every time we travel, we never see people that look like us. And we're like, hey, we should we should start writing and video chatting and stuff about what we do and try to inspire people to travel. Like, okay, let's do that. And CP Travels was kind of born out of that. Started as like a blog site and it, you know, transformed into uh, video sharing and actually evolved into a travel company where we took people all around the world, not just planned a trip, but actually went with them on those trips so that they felt more safe and comfortable and didn't have to worry about getting around. So yeah, that's CP Travels was, um, yeah, pandemic stopped all of that because nobody was traveling anywhere and we weren't really feeling safe about doing that either. But yeah, CP Travels was that and it was amazing at the time. Just sharing stories on YouTube and writing articles and then helping people plan trips of a lifetime. Just amazing. Well, when we get back out of this quarantine, hopefully um, that continues because I actually, I actually wanted to join one of your trips. Your trips look amazing. Always, always. I think that you were facilitating, you and Patrick were facilitating. To be honest, you guys are great business partners. You guys always want something really cool and um, it takes a little time to develop, but it's actually always worth it. It's always worth it. You guys always put a great effort into it. So the pictures, the videos, the um, the crowdsourcing, everything, everything was really cool about CB Travels. And I, like I said, I hope, I hope it makes its return along with uh, everybody else with the pandemic. Oh, damn, I forgot that I unplugged my damn laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me stop freaking having it plugged in all the time so it, that, like, so it doesn't, like, get too depleted. better. Um, all right, so let's talk about your podcast. The main podcast, the flagship podcast, because, yes, we do one together and we're developing another one, but the one that started it all, your baby, your firstborn, the best, actually. It's a really good podcast. I love it. It gives a perspective of a person that is pet, uh, repatriated somewhere else, and, like, whatever you talk about always encompasses that, always, like, how does it affect someone like me that has repatriated somewhere? Go ahead. Tell us more about it. Yeah, I mean, the Black Expat, again, initially started, it's always a story behind everything that I start, started out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah let's do it. That's but okay. Now, you're like, a great storyteller. <laughs> we want to hear that. 
<laughs> but like, you know, it was a, I wrote my first book, The Unexpected Perspective, and I finished that. And that was basically how I ended up going from DePaul University, where we both went to school, and then ended up in Taiwan. Like that journey from high school and to the university and then out of university to Taiwan, year one. Then I was trying to write my second book, and I was like, man, I'm getting writer's block. I'm not a natural born writer. It's not what I'm the best at. So I'm like, all right, how can I get my story out and inspire me to write? But, you know, without actually having to put pen to paper. And I was like, you know what? Let me just talk about it. And then I was doing so many great things. And I was like, and amazing opportunities. I was like, hey, I want to share these things. How can I do that? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to podcast. And my podcast just started with me just sharing my own personal story, right? How I got to Taiwan, what I was going through, my experiences, et cetera, et cetera. But then I realized people were actually starting to listen to it. Because it was back before the social media boom. People were liking it and starting to follow. And I was like, hey, what do you guys want to hear more of? And I was like, hey, we need more experiences for different people, uh, more perspectives about what it's actually like living as an expat, what trials and tribulations do you go through, uh, what things are, what is the best part about being abroad, et cetera, et cetera. So it actually expanded to being not just my experiences, but how my experiences impacted me, impacted others, and, uh, and how that relates to my perspective on the world, things like that. So now I talk about a variety of different topics. I've interviewed people from you know, famous magazines. I've done people who started, who've developed and produced their own Amazon TV series of black families living abroad. Um, I've had some pretty dope interviews, so I've interviewed people from Keep Up. Uh, so it's been really, really dope, the scope in which I'm able to fit uh, people that I interview and also my own stories into what it means to be a black expat, because it's not just about living in another country. It's about the impact you have and the perspectives that you have and have found and have created, um, you know, based on your experiences. So, yeah, I love it. I love talking about things, as you guys probably tell. I also love the amazing interviews and the people that I impact through the stories that I share, through the opportunities that I present and am presented with as well. Yes. Um, I'm glad that it's all that nuance. When did you start? When did, when was your official launch date? And, uh, what did you, did you plan for that launch date or did you just say, cause me, I had an initial launch date, even with the seasons, to be honest, like even I go, Oh, season three is going to premiere and it always like gets pushed back, blah, blah, blah. And one of my friends just said, yo, fuck it, man. Just bring it out, man. Just bring it out. Stop like, you know, giving all these anticipate these expectations, just, just bring it out. So how, how was your launch? Yeah, and the thing is, like, I didn't really, when I first got into it, I didn't see it going, I didn't see my podcast developing the way that it has. Like, I just officially got into, uh, into the, like, the, once I realized how popular it was becoming, I got more into, like, producing it in a different way. I've always been serious about it because it's my story being shared and aired all over the world, right? But uh, I officially launched in November of 2017, but it wasn't like a build-up to it again. Social media, well, 2016, social media just wasn't the same way as it is now where you had to do all those things. It was just like, hey, guys, I'm sharing my story in a different way. You guys don't like reading and listen to me talk about it. But then, you know, as year one went by, I had to, I got, I invested in a better microphone. Year two went by, I invested in, I learned, I studied editing. Year three went by, I started getting guests to come on. I built it up that way. Then year four, it's like, damn, you have a pretty decent following. You have a lot of growth potential. You love doing it. You want it to be your full-time job. It's now your passion that you didn't even know was a passion. Now it's time to take it to that next level. And then now, you know, year four is all that growth, and year five is all about making it a business. Now I'm fundraising to uh, get better with my production and hire people to actually edit the shows. And each show to edit costs $250 if I want to edit the way that I need it to be edited, right? Fundraising for that, and then also for continuing to work with the charities I work with 
with and the mentor groups that I work with as a result of the podcast and then the black owned business that I have as a result of the podcast as well. So there's a lot of fundraising going on because of COVID and also it's because, you know, trying to make it a full time business just to get started and get my feet off the ground and then kind of go from there. But yeah, that's that's kind of how the evolution of it happened. And when I launched from November 2016 to now, every year has been a different leveling up in a different way. Fuck yeah, man. I love leveling up and you do it all the time. You're very good at it. Let's talk about catch up real quick. Um, we are trying to mix the best of both worlds. Uh, we're trying to take the best parts of Keep Up, and we're trying to take the best parts of the Black Expat experience. Um, I'm trying to, to roll over Patrick Springer somewhere around there. <laughs> um, do you do you actually? That's a good question. Do you produce some of uh, Patrick's work too? Is that like I know that um, he helps you out a little bit. Um, are you guys partners in that way too? Like Adam McKay and Will Farrell? Do you guys produce each other's work? No, I think we used to, the podcast we used to have. He would like we would work together on that, like just producing it together. But uh, we we keep it's always important because we do so many things together to keep something separate. So like with uh, I mean he's he's a tech guy, so he can he has no problem with producing like his bartending stuff that he does. But the bar is ours, so the idea we kind of came up. He he was doing something. I was like, hey, he was actually just making drinks at the bar. He's like, yeah, I like doing. It's like, you know what? And I told him, I said, you should do this as a profession like you like talking to people you have all the time in the world with COVID and you own a bar just take this and make it an online business and that's exactly what he did so our collaboration like we always get inspiration from one another but we kind of fit that way where it's like I'll have this big idea and he'll talk me down to the realistic thing and I'll do the same for him and then things that I don't know how to do I can always go to him for that resource and vice versa like I'm great with numbers Patrick can't count past 15 so I get just little things like that and I'm terrible with technology he can figure things out in two minutes that takes me 50 minutes so that's just like the dichotomy that we have but with this new work that we do because I took the podcast so personally I made it a point to learn from him so I can do it on my own and take it to the next level without having that like dependent on him because he ended up doing something on his own I didn't want to kind of take away from that I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Having partners and having people that are trying to uh, make any project. It doesn't matter if it's just one person. It doesn't matter if it's like 10 people. It's stressful. It's stressful. I now I have a whole new respect for Cisco and Drew Hill, man. God damn, man. How long, uh, did, it, <laughs> how long did it take for fucking Cisco to realize, <laughs> I need to leave Nokia alone, man. I need to get the hell out of here, man. Him and fucking Destiny's Child, they need to go have some babies and get the fuck out of here. Anyway, anyway, what um, what are, I know that you've been doing some crowdsourcing. You're trying to up the level of the game of the podcast. What is on the horizon? What do you see for yourself? Sorry about that. Yeah. Do you want to be? I know that you want to podcast full time, just like me. I would love to podcast full time, and I, I, I do believe that both of us will get there. Actually, especially with each other's help, with each other's network. But um, I know one of my goals is to be like a Happy Meal toy with my voiceover. Even if I do podcasting, even if I do other content creation, that's one of the ways that I know that I've made it in the in the game. What's something that you would see that you would say to yourself, "Damn, like I still got work to do." But I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think, like you said, when I'm working toward with the podcast, I do want it to be like, I want to, it, it will become my full time job. Not I want it to be, it will become my full time job. Like, my ultimate goal is to have my own radio show. And I think I do a little bit of that, but that's why I started doing live broadcasts to get used to talking and being on the microphone and behind the microphone, rather, uh, in live time and not having the, the safety net, which is editing, post production edits, and post production changing what you said. And that's really helped me become a better interviewer, a better speaker, and a better on air personality, if you will. But yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, again, I'm connected. I'm 
helping a lot of, I realize my podcast does help people in a lot of different ways. Like just talk about, talking about the expat experience and sharing opportunities in other countries is helpful for people to hear like what you can do in other places around the world. And I want to continue with that. And the way in which I can connect people being, being an expat for so long, but still being relatively young is also a good thing. But the older I get, the just the more information I'm able to share and the more people I'm able to connect with. So the end goal is to have my podcast be my full-time business. They'll have sponsorships and have ads going out because that's how you know make revenue, as we all know, but also just being able to host in different cities and different countries, connect people from all over the world. I'm going to eventually have my own radio show that I just do maybe daily. I hop on for 30 minutes, talk to you guys or once or twice a week. I want to produce things that way and then being able to just again have amazing interviews with amazing people, um, but then do it full-time. Like, it be in my life, similar to what it is now, except getting paid a lot more money, hopefully, to be able to do it, really do it full time. Again, I'm rooting for you. I want to hear you more. I love your voice. I, you know, a lot of people comment on my voice, but I actually think your voice is way better and richer. And damn, man, I'm quality voice out there, man. Taiwan does not know what they have out there, man. And uh, we're going to give you a little sneak peek of something that I've been thinking of. Um, and, again, I love when Carl – Carl's a genius in my mind. So and, so we're going to develop a lot of shit together. But one of the things we're thinking of is letting an audience out there rant. There's a lot of people that like to get let off steam. And we, we all can't afford a therapist. And sometimes people just want to <laughs> – some people just want to yeah. fucking let loose. They don't got a pillow to scream into and shit like that. So they can scream at us. So we're thinking about like either like 15 seconds, somebody submit something, but we're going to be like kind of like an American Idol panel. We're going to be like, that was a good rant. We're like – or we're going to try to solve it. But we're going to try to help them with it. We're going to be like, ah, well, we, we see why you're upset. Or, or we just think they're fucking crazy. We're like, damn, dog, you need help. <laughs> so that's something that might be in the works um yeah man am i missing anything carl no i mean I'm, I'm just really excited about just more more opportunities to collaborate i think collaboration is the best part of podcasting i mean, again when it becomes a full-time job where i'm getting a decent amount of income either through fundraising through ads through just connections uh be, be able to do that more often but you know Shoot, when you edit, when you produce and edit your own podcast, it takes time. But I'm just happy to have Black Owned Bar out here in Taiwan, uh, still working to build that up, building up the podcast, and just the great collaborations we have on the horizon. I'm just you know, excited for what 2021 has to offer. 2020, for, for all it's bad, definitely saw me put more energy into my podcast. Um, and then 2021 is just the year of the year first, right? First big sponsorship, first big partnership and just first big amazing things we're able to do in the community uh, through podcasting and more. Yeah, and also just thank you for having me on. I really appreciate being on the show. I mean, it was great, uh, great topics and great conversation as always, and uh, just an overall good time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I love when people have fun, man, because that is uh, that's probably the number one goal of this damn show because uh, we're doing it for free. So if it's not <laughs> fun, man, guy, get the fuck out of here. But yeah, we are gonna get the fuck out of here. And as a matter of fact, if anybody in my audience has known, I have actually been fucking up the outro, so I'm gonna try to do it well this time. Let's try to do it. <laughs> All right, Carl, where can we find you? And where, where do you not want us to find you? Because that's where uh, we're well, look. Yeah, look. Well, don't <laughs> find me everywhere. Instagram, the black underscore expat. Same as Twitter, the black underscore expat. Facebook, black expat podcast 23. Medium. Oh, my YouTube channel. Actually, yeah, that's actually new. Something I just started. I'm 38 episodes in, and I love doing it. But that's the black expat podcast on YouTube. All right, on Medium. And then... Uh, Become a patron on the Podbean podcast app or any links 
where you can find my podcast, which is everywhere on every podcasting platform. We're finally everywhere. So if you find it on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, uh, Flickr, all that stuff, you can find my podcast there. And then the link and all of my descriptions is my Patreon. If you want to donate, I'm looking to, I'm looking to actually get 1000 people to donate $1 or sorry, become a $1 patron of the podcast because uh, that will help me improve my production and also Tart mentoring another one podcaster a month. I want to dedicate it to one up and coming podcast from a university. I'm working on a partnership Ooh, with like universities that. to actually uh, get them in it and uh, work on them on their on their delivery on how to do interviews. Then also do one episode with me where they actually take over the Black Expat podcast and produce their own show where they get to interview an expat. But in order to do that, fun. So I'm fundraising for that. Uh, the goal for that is. Honestly, it's a lot, but it's $20,000 because I, not for me, I want to pay them. I want it to be a paid experience with someone who's been podcasting for a lot of times, but then also connecting with every podcaster I know, like you, um, but also giving them a chance to interview and do amazing things. An opportunity that I would love to have had when I was thinking about, you know, podcasting, you know what I mean? So trying to get $20,000 for that, uh, partnering with our alma mater, Paul University, hopefully still working on signing that paper, but applying pressure and then one other HBCU uh, back in the States. So that's what I'm trying to do. Good, man. Damn, man. Again, you always make me want to step in my game because you've got so much going on. You had been potting for a little while longer, so I can't, I can't try to stack myself up too much, but um, yeah. So you can find us together too, actually. You can find us on the keep up uh, the catch up, sorry, the catch up program. We're going to try to relaunch that again very soon. Uh, like I said, where it brings East meets West. We try to find relevant topics that connect with the expat in the Taiwan area, in the South Asia region. Um, and it's actually ever-developing, too, so we might even change it a little bit later. We might tinker around, but that's what it's going to be focused on. And uh, you can catch us on Keep Up. You can catch me on Keep Up NYC, uh, where you can find this episode on the Instagram. You can get on Keep Up NY and follow crazy tweets from the show or any updates in pop culture. You can get on our Patreons. You can get on uh, Keep Up MY for my Patreon, Black Expat for his Patreon. Uh, be a patron on Podbean. We're on Podbean. We're on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Any DSP you want. And we're also on YouTube. Uh, catch, uh, catch the shout out that he did for Patrick Springer. Catch the Black Expat's YouTube channel, please. It's good content right there. Uh, and if you're in the Taiwan area, go frequent uh, Arts and Craft Bar. If you want a nice shot and a good Definitely. drink with some cool with some cool uh, bartenders, here we go. Right? Here we are. Here we are. Here we go. Here we go. You better shut the fuck up, listen up, and keep up. Uh, I did it, right? I did it right. Keep up. <laughs> well, my man Carl, the Black Axe Pat. It's still been seen. Over and out. Homies. Oh,